0: Welcome to Seniors and the People Who Love Them. I'm Cookie.
1: I'm Pinky. And I'm Wendy. Last week, we had Keith Levitt from Baird Financial Services come on. I thought it was really great. I was trying to take notes down for myself. Me too.
2: Yeah. Me too. I got the number. Yeah.
1: yeah. He gave us lots to think about how to plan your own financial future and also what to do if you end up with a loved one who may need care in the future or right now. He gave us a lot of good ideas and it seems like there's just no matter how much you've saved, there's just never enough.
0: And yeah. And what was really interesting and I think it's very common today when people are living longer is that the fear is outliving living your money. He really helped us to get a better perspective on how not to have that happen. It only means that planning is crucial. We need to plan, but we need a financial planner because we think that we know so much and are able to do the things that, that we're listening to, whether it's family, friends, or the doctor or something, but I think it's a good idea to have someone that is in that arena to help us and those that are considering living out their future in the most successful way.
2: I agree with you. That was very interesting and very knowledgeable podcast last week.
0: So before we start tonight, I have a disclaimer. Our weekly disclaimer is that we are not physicians or lawyers. If you have a medical issue or a legal issue, please seek a practitioner or lawyer to give you professional advice. Now, today, I'm very excited to have a guest speaker that I have known for many years. I have called on her on many occasions in my role as a social services director and a skilled nursing facility. She has helped me get home care service in, in place for so many patients and residents in my efforts to discharge them safely. She will come to my rescue so often when at times I will only have it maybe a window of three hours to get a patient home safely at the time of discharge. And even if her company would not be able to provide the home care service, she would still assist me in finding an agency that would. Now, that's the person that has get flying colors for me. So our guest today is from MedStar Health Home Care, and her name is Ms. Kimberly Scott. But
2: I call her Kim. So do I call her Kim too. Hi, Kim. Welcome. Hi, ladies. Hello. Thank you. Thanks for having
3: me this evening.
2: Thank you for being a special guest today. But tell us first a little bit about yourself. What is your title exactly? How long have you been with your present company? And how long have you been home care coordinator?
3: Okay. Thanks for having me again. My exact title with MedStar Health Home Care is account manager, but quite often I refer to myself as a home care coordinator. And that's because I feel that an account manager has a connotation of like more of a sales or aspect of it, but I refer to myself as a resource. I've been coordinating home care for more than 20 years and that's been with various home care companies as well as home infusion companies. And I've been coordinating home, not only home health, but home infusion, home hospice, and also medical equipment that patients need when they're being discharged from either the hospital facilities, nursing homes, or also from physicians' offices as well.
1: So I know part of what's under my company's umbrella is home hospice. That little word home can really confuse people. A lot of people think we're going to come and live with them and take care of everything for them. Yes, they do. Yes. And so I would say for our audience, can you talk about the differences between home care and home health care and what each of them can do for a patient out in the community?
3: Sure, absolutely. The differences between home health and home care, home care focuses on custodial needs. It's more or less a non-skilled or non-clinical provider. And the main focus is the patient's activity of daily living, meaning they assist with cooking, cleaning. Sometimes a patient may need a companion to go to a doctor's visit or someone to sit at home with their loved one who, for instance, may have dementia or Alzheimer's and can't be left alone. And they need to be home with that loved one for a certain amount of hours, say, maybe, for example, four hours a day, maybe three times a week that's more or less what home care is. And it's not covered by, home care is not covered by insurance. That is what we would consider a private duty agency where the family or the patient would contact a home care agency and hire that person to provide the services in their home for whatever hours they agree upon.
1: Yes, I find that is so confusing for folks. And unfortunately, a lot of people think that if they can't take care of themselves, they can supplement it with home care, which they certainly can. But that person is not going to be staying with you overnight or staying for huge blocks of time. That's correct.
2: And that's exactly, we have discussed ourselves on a previous episode under Medicare. People always think that where we go in a hospital or a skilled facility, the Medicare is going to cover until end.
3: No,
2: not realizing just like insurance, custodial care cannot be covered under Medicare guidelines. So... We have discussed that before, and same thing with here, But Wendy brought it up, hospice care. When they are, say, home hospice, they think whatever they were receiving in a hospital or facility, they're going to receive that at home, not realizing that it's not a 24-7. It's just maybe they get help, Three, ta- three times a week for maybe a couple of hours, but not as a 24-7. So, listener always keep in mind that any insurance or any health care, whatever you decide, custodial care mostly excluded when they're talking about care. And the custodial care, as Kim says, bathing, dressing, cooking, bringing somebody to doctor's office, all that does not Covered by insurance.
3: That, that is correct, Pinky. Now, now, the opposite of that is home health services. And that is more of a skilled service where you have since skilled professionals that will come into the home, such as a nurse, a physical therapist, occupational therapist, speech therapist, social worker, and also an aide. Now, the aid in that aspect operates under the supervision of the nurse that's coming into the home. And home health services are, we need physician's orders to in order for us to come into the home. So a physician has to order the visiting nurse. They have to spell out whether they want med management, if the patient has needs diabetic teaching has wound care. Those are just some examples of skilled need. You may have a patient that just recently had a hip replacement or knee replacement, and they need to have physical therapy at home. Those uh, those orders we would need from the physician, either from the hospital or the nursing facility or the physician's office in order for us to come in. And that service is covered by Medicare. It's covered by commercial insurance. And it's also covered by medical assistance, but it's not daily visits. The visits are one to three times a week, depending on what the needs are after the initial assessment of the provider that comes into the home.
0: That is also a big question in terms of how long home health care goes though. A lot of people often think, okay, or the family members, uh, my my loved one is in good shape now because they will be getting home health care for six, seven, eight months, maybe even a year. I'll ex- yeah. explain that too. And that
3: is not the case at all. In most instances, the was under Medicare guidelines, it's with either a 30 or 60 day episode, meaning that once we come into the home, when we start the care, Medicare allows us to be in that home for up to 30 days and in some instances 60 days. And then because our goal, let me explain it this way, our goal is to teach the patient or the patient's caregiver and how and how to care for themselves while they're in the home. That is our main goal is to do chain monitoring, setting, for instance, for physical therapy, setting up an exercise program for the patient. And then once they're established at home and they've met their our goals, because we have a care plan as well, once they've met our goals that have been outlined in that care plan, then we're discharging the patient to either they can transition to an outpatient therapy at that point, or we're letting the physician know, hey, this patient has met their goals and they no longer need our services.
2: That's correct. And I have a question that has come across several times in my working experience that, as you say, that they require physician order before you guys start. But sometime in my past experience, sometime physician Put it that way, client does not have visit the physician for 20 years. So they really don't have any community physician. Yes, the provider can assume the doctor visit or whatever when they discharge, but it's not going to happen right away. It's probably within a week they can see the physician that probably take their case because they haven't seen physician maybe 20-30 years. Meanwhile, they are discharging and to us to get home health care, how we go about it? Or my listener, they make sure that you have doctor visit. We're not telling you to go every day or every month or every six months, but at least yearly visit a physician and established physician in the community where something like this happened but you can call that community doctor and say hey i'm in the hospital you know i'm going home i need a home health order because that's the only person can write because none of other physicians that has not seen this patient or client yes they're not going to write that order that's correct so we come with a dilemma and i wonder do you have any
0: other suggestion regarding that? Before Kim answers, she brings back memories, Kim, because there has never been a time that we can discharge a patient without actually having a physician in place. Maybe some time ago that could happen, but Kim, you and I know we have sat in my office and actually made the appointment Yes, and just almost begged a physician on occasion to please accept that patient, if nothing, but for a week. And in terms of having seen the patient being in a skilled facility, he probably never has. So you have some physicians that maybe will be able to see a particular patient upon discharge, but I'll let you expound on that, Kim. Sure. And
3: just to touch on what Pinky was saying, that is so true. Quite often a patient has not seen their physician and two, th- two, three years, I've had a patient who had not seen her pa- her physician since COVID started because she was so afraid to go into a physician's office. And a physician has not seen, typically, if a, if a physician has not seen a patient within a year, they will not follow the patient for home care services until that patient has made an appointment and has actually follow through with the appointment and have gone to see the physician. For instance, Glenora, you have set up a patient's appointment and I'll hold the referral for the patient until the patient goes to see the physician. And I will follow up with the physician's office and see if the patient has gone to the visit. And quite often I find that the patient didn't even go. Yeah. So even after you've made that effort to schedule an appointment. So it's very important for the patients to have a yearly checkup, every six month checkup. Some At some point, you need to have an established physician, in the, a primary care physician in the community. Now, when that I run into that, which has been a lot lately, I have a resource where a, one of my co-workers, she has re- has referred me to a nurse
1: practitioner who actually does home visits. I find there's more of that going on. Yeah. And I guess if we had to look at one maybe good thing that COVID has done, it is that services I feel like have been bolstered. I, I know companies that are really digging into what can we provide this person in their mm-hmm. home setting.
3: That's correct.
2: And there is some old-school physician still, not that many count on one, two, three fingers. Correct. They, they are still doing home visit, that they go to home visit. It is important to listener, please, do make sure that you have commit, established community physician, so something like that.
3: Absolutely.
2: Because when you go from hospital to home, you don't want to be whole week without somebody coming and helping you. That's correct. Because that will very fast will decline the condition. So it is important that they have some community physicians so we do not delay the services that they really need when they go home.
3: That yes, that is absolutely correct because we, some people don't understand. Well, why do I have to have a physician? When you have orders from the facility, the physician at the f- from the facility quite often, especially a nursing rehab facility, they don't follow the patient once they're home.
1: Right. Once they're discharged.
3: That physician stops once that patient is discharged from the facility. Right. So with home care, when my nurse or my therapist goes out to the home, they need a physician that they can reach out to just in case something happens in the home, a change of condition, a person may have had a fall, the womb may have reopened. And my nurse or physical therapist, when they come into their home, they need to have a physician that they can call and say, Hey, this is what's going on the patient going on with the patient. Should I send them back to the hospital? Just the other day, I had received a referral where A physical therapy was in the home providing physical therapy for the patient, and when they went to assist the patient, they felt a lump under the patient's, I believe it was her right underarm, her right breast and the physical therapist contacted the primary care physician, oh no, I'm sorry, the physical therapist told the patient to contact her primary care physician and get it checked out. She had a mammogram and come to find out she had breast cancer. Wow. So luckily now she is going in to get surgery and then she'll be having radiation and chemo afterwards, but it was caught early enough. And thank God that physical therapist had the wherewithal once they felt that lump there that they uh, told her to go out, to go and reach out to her primary care physician. That was a great outcome.
1: Yeah, it's really important for people to be laying their hands on the patient. No amount of virtual technology can replace that.
3: That is so true. Yeah. That is so true. Yes.
0: Kim, you spoke about the most, perhaps starting out, there's a 30-day time frame in which home care, home health care comes in. Yes. Possibly 60. That's correct. And that's Medicare under Medicare. That's Medicare insurances. Quite often it could be less. Okay. And that was my next question in terms of their insurances. And is there a recertification process after that 30 days Do you have to, yeah, explain that for me.
3: So what we normally have to do is go back to the care and submit clinical information and get a recertification. If We need additional visits for the patient and also with insurance companies, because insurance companies will give us authorization for a certain number of visits for a certain amount of days. And if we feel that we need to go beyond that, then we have to gather the clinical information and reach out to their case management and get additional authorization or recertification for additional visits and additional days.
1: How is that going these days? Is that getting more complicated, getting those auths and and just communicating with insurance companies?
3: That I'm not 100% sure of because I'm not involved in that aspect of the home health process. I'm more or less on the front end with the initial care coordinating. But from what um, the last town hall meeting we had, I, I know the nurses have a lot of paperwork Sure, and that has been a tremendous challenge with the paperwork that they have to complete in opening a home health case. If I remember correctly, I think it's called an Oasis okay. form for a Medicare patient, and it's a very long document can, that can take quite a bit of time on the initial visit. If I'm not mistaken, it's maybe up to two hours. Wow, that, that it can take to complete that that form. For Medicare patients, so I think that's one of the that's pretty painstaking.
1: Yeah, pretty in line with other disciplines, though. That's what's happening now.
3: Yes,
2: it sounds like doing whole MDS. Yeah, <laughs> for two hours about the patient. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Kim, can you think of one of your most revolving experience at the home care liaison, and can you think of one item? That can be improved upon in the home care still today?
3: Well, the paperwork, I would say.
2: Okay. We all will agree to that. We all agree to that.
3: Paperwork, and I guess sometimes that we could improve upon would be paperwork and or less, find a way to lessen the paperwork. Everything has to be documented. And there's an old saying if it's not documented, it's not done.
1: Absolutely.
3: And I can understand that, but. Does it have to be so many pages and so painstaking? So if they can find a way to minimize the the paperwork that's necessary and maybe some of the the processes that we have to go through in getting a patient admitted, I would say streamline it a little better. And as far as one of the most, most rewarding experiences I have is when I reach out to the patient and they say, oh, I've had your services before. I love my nurse. So I love that therapist or my mom or my dad and really that therapist and they can give the patient, the, the uh, clinician's name. In some instances, they know their phone number. They say, oh, I have their phone number right here. And they request that person by name and say, if I can get that person back here for my mom or my dad or myself. Then that, to me, it really warms my heart when patients, return patients, request clinicians and are very happy with the services that they're getting in the home.
1: That's great. Something good's happening there.
3: Absolutely.
2: In my experience, time also in our work situation, they always have Home care that they have previously visited and they wanted just that, nobody else.
3: Absolutely.
2: So I understand that they'd love somebody, then that's a rewarding feeling somebody doing some changes for somebody's life.
0: Absolutely. In terms of home health care and the mental state of society today, in terms of mental health, how does home health care tie in with that? People with people being discharged with so many psychological issues how do you all intervene in that regard or do you intervene or offer some type of additional resources for people that are so troubled today
3: i would say with mental patients with mental health issues we have we provide tools and resources that are related to emotional support to that are in need some patients have hopefully we they have a psychiatrist available in the community that we can reach out to. We assess with medic assist with medication management and working with the caregiver and how to provide medication management and, and also occupational therapy can assist with medication management and getting making sure that they have their medication lined up and taking it. Like, that And some home I know Medstar doesn't have a psychiatric nursing component to our agency, but there are some other agencies out there that do have a specific psychiatric component I
0: see.
3: or psychiatric nursing in addition to other home health services that they can provide. Okay. I know we have a social work component with our agency that, that can provide community resources as well.
0: Okay, great. Is there ever a time that a nurse goes out and realizes that this is just not a safe environment? Absolutely. And how is that
3: addressed? When that happens, and it's funny that you mentioned that, I just recently had a patient about a week ago. The nurse went out, it's a wound care patient, and when I did my assessment, the patient stated that they could provide the wound care or learn how to do it themselves. And also they had a loved one that would be assisting. And when the nurse got out to the patient's home, that was not the case.
1: Yeah, that doesn't. The
3: patient actually was home alone and the loved one did not have time to provide the care because they had their own children, small children or babies to take care of at home. So they were not, could not go over there to the patient's home on a daily basis to provide the wound care. The nurse went in and assessed the patient and said that you're uh, at a higher level of care than we can provide. So the nurse recommended that the patient could either go back to the nursing home because it had been within 30 days that the patient had been discharged Mm. from the rehab facility, or could go back or could go to the ER because there was multiple wounds that the patient had and patient couldn't reach.
1: So often people will say anything to get home. It's so sad.
3: You got it. You got it, Wendy. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen people that live alone and can't walk and they will say, just set the ambo up, just do it. And I like, mm-hmm. okay, let's play that out. Mm-hmm. The ambulance is going to take you to your house and put you in your bed. And then what happens? And, and then they'll what? be like, I'll figure it out. Don't worry. Yes.
3: And when the patient reached out to me, they were on the floor and was calling to see if the nurse could come back out.
2: Mm, yeah.
3: And I had to explain to her that the nurse had been back out, but She could not provide the level of care that the patient needed. And they refused to go to the ER when the nurse had recommended it initially. And when I wound up calling 911 for the patient.
1: Yeah.
3: And they again refused. I followed up a couple of days after that and they let let the EMT come in and check them out. And then they wind up not going to the ER.
1: Yeah. They're just trying to stay home. I understand it. Trying to stay Mm. home
3: in fear of losing their apartment, did not care for the ability that they were in, didn't want to go back to the facilities and just wanted to stay, felt that they were better off at home than they were going back to the facility. Because I think the thinking
0: was, if I go to the ER, then they're going to send me back to that place. Wow. Yep. So, care in terms of payment, still services covered by Medicare Part A, correct? Part A and Part B. And Part B. Yes. Medical assistance. Do so you all MedStar Home Health take patients that are on medical assistance? Yes, we do. Okay. I know you do private insurances, but I was wondering about Medicaid as well. And under Medicaid, actually,
3: Medicaid is one of a very unique insurance in that. The also provides what I was talking about with the home care aids and custodial care. Under, mm-hmm. is it the waiver program, mm-hmm. medical assistance waiver program, where they can provide an aid for a certain amount of hour or day for a certain number of days per week? That is the only insurance, medical insurance that I know of that uniquely covers home health services with the skilled nursing, PT, and OT, and also can provide the custodial care with the under the waiver program with the aid so
0: home so in terms of going home do you go into the group home settings yes we do okay all right we go into group home settings
3: we also go into assisted living facilities as well H- have
0: we worn you out yet no
3: <laughs> no i'm enjoying this please no not at all I'm hoping that I can be a resource and this can clarify some things for patients and families out there that are listening.
1: I definitely hear a lot of confusion surrounding home care because, and there are so many different kinds of home care. I know that just like you said, the waiver program will sometimes send an aid to your house. I've seen people get it seven days a week, depending on the situation. And that is for large blocks of time. So I think, People frequently get confused and maybe they're not getting the real thorough information that you would be providing in a hospital setting. So I think that's a really good service that we're that you're doing to the community. They really need it.
3: That's where I come in when introducing home care and explaining home care yeah. to a patient because they get, even some physicians will tell them, oh yeah, you can go home and home care will take care of everything when it's- right. That's not the case. That's not the
1: case. I get the same thing in hospice where the physicians tell them, oh, hospice is going to take care of everything as well.
0: Yeah, the question I was going to ask when you, with your introduction also was that you mentioned that you do home equipment as well. I have. That's one of the experiences I
3: have in the past. Oh, okay. In the past, yes, I used to work for medical equipment. It was a company. I'm not sure if you guys remember. I don't think they're in business anymore. Neighbor Care. Remember Neighbor Care?
0: Oh yeah. Oh wow, yeah. Yeah, I used to work for Neighbor Care. It's a blast from the past. I haven't heard that in a long time. That's old days. A long time. Yeah. Yes. I
3: used to work for neighbor care years ago down at shock trauma. Uh-huh.
0: Okay. All right. And
3: we did, I coordinated home infusion and medical equipment. Mm-hmm. I remember uh-huh. wheeling those, those O2 carts down the hallway and delivering them to a patient's room and showing them how to use the e tank and <laughs> getting that set up. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I remember all this. Piling back,
0: someone is getting ready to get discharged from either an assisted living, the hospital, maybe a group, an assisted living or a hospi- hospital, and a call is made more than, more than likely by the social worker Correct. at the particular place. What's the turnaround time for you coming out to do that assessment? Yeah, for you to come out and just get that background information and then make a determination as to whether or not there will be even picked up by your, uh, your company.
3: It, if I get a call from a social worker, I can assess the patient within 24 hours okay. of that of that phone call. And usually I base it upon the, when the patient is going home. Because sometimes social or social workers are proactive and they'll give me their discharges a few days out or maybe even a week out. And things can change within that time. So I usually try to contact the patient either... 24 or 48 hours prior to them being discharged from the facility, to do my assessment and my evaluation and make sure that they are a good candidate for home health services. And then once I have everything I need, I gather the clinical information. I'll interview the patient, patient or the love their loved one, and I'll have. As long as I have the home health orders and I have a physician that will follow the patient in the community and sign home care orders, then I then process the referral, send it over to my office, and we see that patient within 48 hours. And that's as long as I have everything I need, because in some insurances, we have to wait and get authorization from the insurance before we can set up the home care. And I will let the patient know that up front as I'm doing my assessment, I'll tell them I have to... To reach out to your insurance company, get authorization ahead of time. And once I get that authorization, then I call and let them know that I have that authorization and proceed with setting up the home care.
0: Okay, great. Did you guys
3: have any other questions for me? Pinky, Wendy?
2: No, you provide really good information for our listeners. Just to piggyback
3: off of what Pinky was saying, it is so important for patients out there to have a primary care physician and to, yeah, ongoing care with that physician. Like I said, either once a year, twice a year, see that doctor, don't wait until something is wrong and you're in the ER or you're at home and you've fallen and you have to be transported by AMBO. Make sure that you follow up with your physician and get or getting home, get a physician, established and follow up with that physician on a yearly basis at the very least.
1: I don't know about MedStar, but I know that most hospitals also have resident clinics that they can help you sign up for a physician, even even if that's not you, that's not somebody you want to stick with permanently. Mm-hmm. It gives you something in the meantime, something to fill that gap, so that you aren't left without consistent medical.
3: Med story, Good Sam has a, a clinic called Center for Successful Aging. Aging oh, that's cool. and that's based out of Good Sam, and also Good Sam has a home physicians program as well.
1: Yeah, most hospitals are. Yeah. Getting on board with all of that now, it's especially here, yes, where we're so blessed to have so many healthcare institutions in a small area. And the the
3: home house the MedStar House Call program is what it's called, and they have a division at Good Good Sam, and they also have a division in D.C. at the Washington Hospital Center, and they service a small number of zip codes rounding those those. And if anyone wants to make a referral to MedStar, I can give you guys my the 800 number yes, and also please. our website. Yeah, that would be great. Okay. So it's MedStar Health Home Care. And the phone number is 1-800-862-2166. And our website is medstarhealth.org forward slash home care that's great and we accept referrals from physicians offices as well as hospitals and rehab facilities
0: that's great okay so let's take a break and we'll be right back
3: thank you
1: Welcome back. This is the part of our podcast where we review any feedback or questions received. Cookie, did you get a question from somebody?
0: I did get a comment from Miss Lucille Barber. She's, she just is getting ready to go through. We did the session, an episode on long-term care. And she said she's in the process now of just trying to understand that better and just get an idea as to how to proceed. And I will probably assume it will be with her mother. So that's another thing we do. We give that information and then people, it perks people's attention to either listen to other episodes or research something further. So yeah, that's something else that we, is an objective of ours in doing this on podcast.
1: Yeah. And if anybody out there has a topic they want us to cover, we will definitely do that. As long as it is somehow
0: senior related. Okay. As always, we like to end on a high note
2: with one of Pinky's jokes. Go ahead, Pinky. Okay. I have a small one today. Why did the gopher bring an extra pen? Why did the gopher bring an extra
0: pants? Why did the... Go for bring an extra pair of pants. Got you. I have no idea.
2: In case he got home in one. He laugh about it, okay? I'm laughing. I'm laughing. Okay.
1: Okay, this is the part of the show where Pinky's going to give us some medical terminology.
2: Okay, so one, polyp, mass or growth, epiderm of of tissue, outermost layer of skin, bone fracture, broken bone that through the skin, and is broken bone that shatter in many pieces, cellulitis, inflammation, or infected tissue beneath. And that's for my today's terminology. Excellent.
0: So that is our show for today. We would like to once again, thank Kim for taking the time to be a part of the podcast. Is there anything you would like to share or add before we end, Kim? No, I just wanted to say thank you so much for
1: inviting me to your podcast. I really appreciate it. And Kim, if it's okay, we will go ahead and add your contact information and the website for anybody who's interested in the Maryland area to make a referral. We'll go ahead and add that into the show notes when our episode comes out would that be okay absolutely we cover maryland dc and north
3: northern virginia and southern maryland
1: oh yes that's excellent
3: yes thank you
1: all right please subscribe to our upcoming episodes we will be releasing episodes every other tuesday morning if you have any questions feedback or ideas for future topics please visit our website www.seniorscast.com or you can look up our Facebook page. We are Seniors and the People Who Love Them and you can send us an email at seniors at seniorscast.com and the best way to help us truly at this level is to give our podcast a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. That's, we have two reviews already. We have six ratings. We're at a five out of five. So thanks. Everybody's been really kind. And that's the best way you can help us getting our, getting more traction is to give us a positive review wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Wendy.
0: I'm Binky, And I'm Cookie. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye bye now! Bye now.